All right, good morning, everybody. We are going to jump into the message today. If you have a Bible, go ahead and uh, open up your Bible to Matthew 25. We will get there in just a few minutes. But good morning. If I haven't met you, my name is Mitchell. Thanks for coming today. And I hope you're enjoying the presence of God and just sense him here because he's why we gather. It's for him. We're not here for just each other, though it's awesome to see each other. We're not here to prove anything or do anything. We're here for the Lord. He saved us. He ransomed us with his blood, and we're so thankful. And so gathering on Sunday mornings is us saying, thank you so much, God. So uh, I'm excited for today. Um, We just finished a series last week on Matthew chapter 24. Okay, we called it, uh, and then the end will come. Raise your hand if you were here for at least most of that series, okay? Um, And if I would encourage you to read Matthew chapter 24, Uh, it won't take you that long to read that chapter, Um, but that whole chapter is pretty much Jesus answering his disciples' questions about the end of the world or the end of the age, and he lists out a bunch of things that will be happening in the earth as it gets closer and closer to Jesus coming for the second time, all right? And I don't know about you, but if I, w- I would encourage you to be interested about Jesus coming again. <laughs> I am. That's why I talked about it the last few weeks. And anyways, you know, but he says very specific things about here's what's going to be going on in the world when he comes. And one of the, he has a couple uh, one-liners, like in verse 25, he simply says, see, I told you beforehand. I just love that. He, he's a shepherd. He's a leader. He's a guy that's so good to us, and he wants us to be prepared. He wants us to know what's happening and that he prophesied things. That, that way, when we see crazy things that begin to happen, we're like, oh, I've seen that before. Where was that? The word of God. You said that this would happen. And, you know, it's, it's simple, but I hope that we all take it seriously and look at those words and at least meditate on them, think about them, and thank the Lord for his leadership in that when we th- see things happening in the earth, we're not too surprised uh, that we'll all have to respond to different things. We won't be too surprised because Jesus told us like 2,000 years ago what would be happening, all right? And, uh, but here's the whole premise of last uh, month, I'll, I'll call it, or this past month's series is though he gave us a lot of descriptions of what would be happening, I think the, even the primary point is in the midst of the end of the age or things escalating before the Lord's return, he wants us to stay focused on the mission. He wants us to stay focused on the things that he has asked us to stay focused on. And the mission is not self-preservation. Okay, that's a big word for some of us. The, the focus is not to protect myself. As, the, as wickedness in the world increases, as shaking increases, as wars break out, Jesus' mission to his church is not protect yourself, protect yourself. It is a natural human response, and so if we feel those desires, you don't need to condemn yourself, but we do need to realign our heart and say, all right, what is it that you want me to stay focused on in the midst of worldwide shaking? And it is the mission of going and making disciples, of representing Jesus to a hurting and a dying world. It is staying faithful to Jesus, even though there might be increasing pressure. And so we used this whole kind of chapter, Matthew 24, to look at some of those uh, commands the Lord gave us. And he said, hey, this gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. So stay focused on that mission of bringing the gospel uh, to the ends of the earth, uh, even though there will be escalating trial and tribulation and shaking going on in the world. So we want to stay missional, and um, we don't want to hold back. (laughs) 
We don't want to hold back. We're going to continue to embrace this call to go and make disciples. And so anyways, we've been talking about that lately. And, um, you know, I, last week I talked about how we got to start here. We've got some amazing mission trips coming up, like in uh, March and then also multiple in the summer. But we want to start here and now. And we want to be intentional to, you know, who's one to two, three people that you know that you can be consistently praying for so that they can have an encounter with the Lord. They can come to know Jesus. They can experience his presence like we all got to experience this morning. Who are one to three people that you can consistently be praying for in your world? It starts there, and then from there, the Lord will give you opportunities to share. But we want to do it. We want to take it seriously. Y'all remember that from last week if you were here? We talked about, hey, a couple names. Great. But then also, we want to not just engage North of Arkansas, but take it all the way um, to the ends of the earth. And what, we have a slide, I believe, of just the mission trip opportunities coming up, and we've got applications that are available. Go ahead and put that up there, just the missions application slide. Okay, so we're going to uh, Tijuana in, uh, during spring break. Maggie already mentioned that. And then there's a mission trip to South Asia. Um, I'll tell you exactly where that is when I'm not on a microphone. And then same with the Middle East. There's a couple of places that we're going where we have long-term teams, and we're going to partner with them in sharing the gospel, making disciples, and just seeing people encounter Jesus all over the world. And so the applications are open, and so there's a website down there at the bottom. And we're believing for just high engagement this year. In 2023, I had a friend of mine, well, he was praying for missions and stuff, and he was believing for 100 people from our church to engage in missions this year. By engage, I mean go. I mean, please pray, please give, but also go and engage in some way, and I'm believing uh, for that as well because we want it, man. We want to take part in what God's doing around the world. And so anyways, and then also, like Maggie said, that there's an interest meeting in Tijuana coming up in a couple Sundays. And so if you want to go to that, that's during spring break. Okay, now we're going to get into the message this morning. So you're at Matthew 25, Yes. All right, so this series we're about to dive into is, in a sense, part two to the series I did last week because what I'm reading is pretty much, it's one, I'll call it sermon, one sermon from Jesus. It's one message from Jesus. He is still continuing to answer the question his disciples asked about what's it going to be like at the end of the age. And Matthew 24 gives a lot more specifics about what's going on in the world. But then as you get closer to the end of Matthew 24, and then now we're going to go into Matthew 25, he's beginning to give very specific teachings and parables, is what he called them, to his disciples so that they would understand how to respond in the midst of uh, the end of the age. All right? And so we're going to look at one in Matthew chapter 25, and it is uh, commonly referred to as the parable of the ten virgins. All right? You guys there? Great. You've been there for a long time. All right. Here we go. Matthew 25. We're going to read verse 1 through 13. It'll also be on the screen. It says, in the kingdom of heaven, actually, let me, let me pause, verse 1, then, everybody say then, okay, then, or at that time, so in the generation of the Lord's return, as things are escalating in the earth, at the time of the Matthew 24 description, then, here's what the kingdom of heaven will be like. It'll be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in 
with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Matthew 25, parable of the ten virgins. So let's talk about this for a second. We, um, we notice a couple things. Okay, you've got some characters in this parable. You've got the virgins, then you've got a bridegroom. Best to my understanding, and most would agree, the virgins are representing believers. Okay, uh, Those that have been washed by the blood of Jesus, those that are uh, pure by the blood. And then you've got a bridegroom in this parable. Most would say that that represents Jesus. And again, you've got to remember the surrounding context is the end of the age, or time leading up to Jesus' second coming. Now, what we notice in this parable is, one, it seems important. <laughs> yes, it seems important. Also, we notice that the consequence of the foolish virgin seems severe and serious. Yes? Okay, we also see at the very last verse, thankfully, Jesus wraps it up by sharing one of the main points. He says, watch, therefore. Everybody say watch. Okay, watching means just being aware being ready, being prepared. So we know that this parable is about being prepared for the Lord when he comes, watching. And obviously we see that the, the good characters are the wise virgins. And so we want to be the wise virgins. And the only differentiating factor between these uh, five wise and five foolish was what? The five wise had what? They had oil for their lamp. So there you go, guys. I'm done with my sermon. Just get some oil for your lamp. Have a good week. <laughs> I say it that way because what on earth does that mean? To have oil for your lamp. If this is the main difference between these uh, five wise and five foolish, they had oil. What on earth does it mean? And it's important for you to realize, like, I should figure that out. I should look into that. I should think about it a little bit. All right? Now, here's what's so cool. Verse 11 and 12 gives us a very important clue or insight about what this could mean. Because there's a lot of, I've heard, and in preparing this message this week, there's a lot of different takes that I've heard about this parable and what exactly it means. Okay, some would say that oil is the Holy Spirit, and this is a parable about those that are believers filled with the Holy Spirit or not filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there might be some good things to think about in that conversation, but I would I would personally disagree with that because it's, you can't really be a believer without the Holy Spirit in your life, okay? So I think there's, maybe there's something deeper there, and also that type of mindset and thinking brings a pretty huge like wedge and judgment and kind of elitist type mentality within the body of Christ of I'm super spiritual and I got the Holy Spirit and you guys don't because you don't raise your hands during worship. <laughs> like what? Where do we come up with that? Okay. And so then there's other thoughts about, um, you know, this is, a, this is a parable about the rapture. This is a parable about, you know, just there's so many different insights. But verse 11 and 12, I think, gives us very helpful clue about one of the main things Jesus is trying to communicate. Look what it says. Verse 11 says, After, Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But here's what the bridegroom said. Again, the bridegroom representing Jesus. It says, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Of all the different responses that this bridegroom could have said, he said, 
here's, in a sense, why you're not in the marriage feast, why the door is shut and you can't get him, is I do not know you. Which we will break down that phrase in a little bit, look at some of the Greek of what that could mean. But here is my takeaway, and this is the main point for this whole message and this whole series, is this parable, to me, seems to be about this. And it's on the screen in real big letters. It's about knowing Jesus and being known by him. It's about knowing Jesus and being known. Here it comes, here it comes. Here's, here's the sentence. Ready? There it is. There it is. There. All right, say it with me. Say, knowing Jesus and being known by him. Knowing Jesus and being known by him. This is what I believe this is about primarily. We want to be those that are the wise virgins that had oil in our lamp and that the Lord knows us in the sense we're, we're in. So I'm going to pray that over us and I'm going to break this down quite a bit over the next 30 minutes or so and and I think the Lord will help us, all right? So I'm going to pray. Lord, here we are. We just, we need help. We need you. And I pray that every one of us in this room, that this would be the cry that is welling up inside of us when we, when we see this parable or we hear this phrase about knowing you. Would this be us? We want to be those that know you, Jesus, and are known by you. So teach us what that means, what that looks like, and Lord, continue to speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so we're going to kind of pick apart this parable a little bit. I'm going to give you a couple things just to be thinking about. There'll be several things on the screen, but here's what I want to first do is I want to I want to acknowledge what this parable doesn't say, and I want to frame it in a way of what we would like it, most of us would probably like it to say, all right? So here is what we want this parable to say. Uh, verse 2 says five were foolish and five were wise, but here's really what we want it to say. It'll be on the screen. We want it to say that five were, you can put that one, that, that they're not foolish, they're just a little less wise. But scripture says it's either foolish or wise, all right? Because that would be a little bit nicer, right? Okay, let's move on. Verse, wait, don't put verse 9 up there yet, but let me read the original. It says, the wise answered saying, oh, they said, hey, give us some of your oil. But the wise said, since they will not be enough for us and for you, go to the dealers and buy for yourself. Here's what we might want it to say in verse 9. We want the wise to respond with, oh, sure, okay, I'm a nice Christian. You can have some of my oil. All right, but that's not what they said. They said, I can't do that. You got to go get it yourself. Okay, now, ooh, this is, this one's the, this one's the tricky one. Verse 11 and 12, it's in a sense the response of the bridegroom, which represents Jesus. He says, truly, I say to you, I do not know you, but here's usually what we want it to say if we're picturing that this is coming out of the mouth of Jesus. We want it to say, all right, fine, come on in, just don't be late next time. <laughs> because Jesus is so merciful and gracious, right? He is, Amen. But just notice that in this parable, there seems to be a severity to some of the things he's saying. And this one is a bonus one. In verse 13, it says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day or the hour. But here's what we've kind of interpreted as sometimes in verse 13. Ready? Therefore, watch the news, and then you will know the exact day and the hour that he's coming. All right? Be careful. <laughs> That's not what it says. All right. Here's the point of me doing that to this, pa this parable. We want... As children of God, as followers of Jesus, we want to submit to what the Word of God actually says, not twist it or stretch it to say what we want it to say or feel more comfortable with it saying. We want to submit to the Word of God. Amen? 
okay? Which means that we're going to have to wrestle through some things sometimes, but it's good to actually look at what the Bible actually says. Okay, let me pull out maybe five or six things from this parable. Let's start with this. In verse uh, uh, 1, it says there were 10 virgins that went out to meet the bridegroom. Okay, each of these points are going to be up on the screen. So there was 10 virgins that went out to meet the bridegroom. I think I've already mentioned this, but the virgins, remember, represent believers. And they did what? They went out to meet the bridegroom. So this parable seems to be most likely about a group of believers that all set out on a journey to meet Jesus, be with Jesus, be ready, in a sense, for his coming. So it's believers on a journey towards Jesus. Here's my point, is when we get to the end of this parable, we see a negative response, in a sense, or a not-so-pleasant response. And when we, as followers of Jesus, most of us in this room are followers of Jesus, when we see a parable like this, what this should do is just stir us up to be alert and awaken our spirit to realize that none of us are immune from being foolish. Okay, we don't want to immediately, when we read a parable like this, just think, ha ha, I'm God, I'm wise, and that person that I know in that other church is foolish. That is a bad way to read scripture. <laughs> Start here. Let the word of God pierce you first. Let it pierce me first. As I've been reading this, I'm like, that is one of my prayers. Lord, I know there's a lot in this, and I'm still understanding what this means, but I for sure know that in this parable, I want to be counted as one of the wise virgins. Okay? And so take it seriously yourself, and we always, in every season of our life, need to heed the words and the instructions of Jesus. Because it seems like these ten virgins started off good. And so when we start our journeys with Jesus, a lot of us have a lot of zeal and passion and discipline and rigor. And then when life gets hard, sometimes we back up a little bit. Maybe I shouldn't go so hard after Jesus, because when I went hard last time, some hard things happened. Okay, well, no, 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 we want to stay faithful to Jesus, even though there'll be ups and downs in our journey with him. And let's look at this next part. It says they had, the wise had flasks of oil. Flasks of oil. Everybody say the word flasks. <laughs> That's fun to say. A lot of S's over there. Flasks. Okay, so it didn't say that they had just a little tiny cup of oil. It didn't say they had a little, you know, pouch of it. They didn't say they had a little bit. It, it, there's flask. This is like a, think of a large container full, and it says plural. They had flasks of oil. So multiple larger containers of this oil for their lamps. So in a sense, they had more than enough. They had extra. Say the word extra. So if this parable is about knowing Jesus and being known by him, let's make it our aim to have more than enough experience in knowing Jesus and being known by him. If this is about intimacy with the Lord and closeness with him, let's be a people that, in a sense, get accused of taking our relationship with Jesus too seriously. Let's get accused of spending too much time with him. Too much time in his word. Or someone saying, haven't you prayed and worshiped and read the Bible enough? Come on, do something else. Let's make it our aim to be accused of that, to have flask, more than enough, extra, in knowing Jesus and being known by him. Let's keep going. Verse 9, or no, let's see, uh, not verse 9, verse 5. It says, the bridegroom was, as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. Say the word all. They all became drowsy and slept. 
So in this parable, it seems like that sleeping or that drowsiness was not like an, in a negative connotation or referring to something bad, like in a couple other different scriptures. It talks about people who are just like, they're not awake in their spirit. They're kind of dull and they're not sober-minded. They're sleeping. It didn't seem like that's what this is about because all of them, even the wise, were also sleeping. And so here's a, a thought on what this could mean. All of us are still subject to waiting for Jesus. And in the waiting for Jesus, normal life still exists for everybody. Right? <laughs> or is it different for you? <laughs> okay. Is your life just perfect and easy all the time? Because mine is not. Okay. So in the midst of waiting, we're all still subject to normal rhythms of life, normal circumstances, good and bad, easy and hard, just the normal day-to-day, day-in, day-out routine of life that can get pretty mundane sometimes. But here's kind of one of my points on this, is in the midst of the mundane, the normal circumstances that we're all subject to you, in the midst of that context, let's still be a people that store up enough oil. Let's still be a people that take seriously knowing Jesus and being known by him. If you're a mom and have kids everywhere, and they just keep coming and they keep doing things and flipping things, still take seriously those few moments where you can be alone with Jesus. If you have a job that's hard and stressful and you've got deadlines all the time and you've got pressure from people, still take seriously storing up that oil of intimacy, I'll call it that, knowing Jesus and being known by him. If you're a college student and you've got tests coming up and it's test week and you're crunching, don't push aside the very thing that will fill you, which is present, the presence of God, connecting with Jesus, storing up oil. It is so easy in the midst of the things that we are all subject to to push out the thing that matters most, which is connection with the Lord. Storing up enough oil. Let's keep going here. Let's look at the response of the wise when the foolish asked for them to share. Verse 9 says, The wise answered, There will not be enough for us or for you, so go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. So here's what I want you to notice. Next slide, they'll say this. The wise could not share or transfer their oil. I'm going to just camp out on this one for a second. If, again, this parable is about knowing Jesus and being known by him, you cannot share your connection with Jesus, your history with him, your intimacy with him. You can't share that with somebody else. Like, I can't give you my time with Jesus. I, I can't spend time with Jesus for you. I oftentimes pray for you all and pray for our church, but that's different than you letting your roots go deep in your own intimacy with God. Okay, you cannot take your pastors, your life group leaders, your spouses, your friends, or your parents' relationship with Jesus. It must be your own. And there's an... <laughs> There's an intense story in the book of Acts that, of a group of guys that were kind of in religious circles where they thought it would be a good idea to try to borrow somebody else's relationship or somebody else's revelation with Jesus and try to do the same things. Okay, there's this intense story, and it was just too good not to read this morning. This is in Acts chapter 19, okay? This is a group of guys that, in a sense, tried to say, hey, 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 all right, all right, I see you operating in the things of God. I see you seem to have a really strong relationship with Jesus over there. So, okay, I'll take yours, and I'll try to do the same things that you're doing by borrowing your oil, so to speak. And here's what happens. This is Acts 19. Just, just 
brace yourself. Put your seatbelt on here. This is the Bible. All right, Acts 19. It says, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. What? <laughs> that's, okay, that's cool. That's your normal life, isn't it? Okay. Then some of the itinerant Jew- Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, look what they said, I adjure you, or I rebuke you, by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. What? Okay. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? <laughs> it gets better. It gets even better. And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. That's the real Bible. I didn't make that up. Okay, Acts 19. Woo! I love that story. Because it's hilarious, but if that was you, that would not be funny. It just, it just hammers in this, this importance, this seriousness, this intensity of this is not a Jesus that Mitchell preaches. This is not a Jesus that your life group leader knows. This is not a Jesus that you know, the great song is about. It's the Jesus that you know. It is the Jesus that you have relationship and fellowship with. This is the Jesus that is your best friend. This is the Jesus you talk to all day. You listen to him all day. This is the Jesus that is your Lord and your Savior and your friend of all, your beloved, the one that you care about more than anyone else in this room. This is it's your Jesus, a Jesus that you know because you've, you've taken the time to get to know him and you've taken the time to open up your heart to him. We, we don't want to operate in our Christian life because a lot of us are really good at Christian life and doing Christian things. We don't want to operate in that in the Jesus that Paul preaches. We want to we we do the same things in the sense that we're doing, serving. Some of you guys working kids. Some of you serving in the worship team. Some of you are so faithful at life group and are serving. Okay? But you want to do all that because of a Jesus that you know and a Jesus that knows you. Amen? couple more things here in this parable. Verse 9 again, it says that the, uh, the wise told the foolish, go to the dealers and buy for yourself that oil. All right, let's think about that for a second. So they had to go and buy. Everybody said the word buy. <clears throat> All right, so they had, to go, they had to go buy some oil. Now, when you see the word buy, it might throw you off a little bit. Because you oftentimes might get like, oh, wait, 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 I thought this is all free. We're not like earning or working for our salvation. And just remember, I don't, I don't think this is about salvation at all. But if it's about knowing Jesus and being known by him or cultivating a life of intimacy and depth in your relationship with the, with the Lord, then oftentimes to build that, it will cost you something. It takes time. It takes intentionality. It takes sacrifice sometimes to build that history with the Lord. Like, for example, a simple sacrifice. I, I wrestled this morning when my alarm went off. You know, I just, I don't want to get up. 
<laughs> I'm tired. Okay, I did snooze once. I was on the floor of my four-year-old's room. It's just That's my second bed. Anyways, uh, <laughs> all the parents would understand. Everybody else not a parent is so concerned. Our, our marriage is fine, guys. Okay. Gosh. Just, they wake up in the middle of the night, and it's hard to get them back to sleep, okay? And so sometimes sleeping on the floor helps her. All right. Anyways... <laughs> Um, what was I saying? Oh, snooze. Okay, let's, let's take a simple one. It's like, yeah, oftentimes when my alarm goes off, I don't want to wake up. And, and one of the first things that I've developed in my life is trying to start my day with time with God and building a relationship with him. And yeah, almost every morning, it's like a sacrifice to just to get up and get a little time with him. Okay, but it's like, and that, so that takes effort, it takes intentionality, it takes energy, okay? It takes me saying no to what my body feels to say yes to something I think is worth it. And every time it is. Not, not every time it feels amazing, like this morning didn't feel amazing. I had literally, I had been sitting down, it was so quiet, and it's not very quiet in our house often, and I had literally just out loud said to Jesus, thank you for this stillness and this quiet. And as soon as I stopped, I heard a child, Daddy, <laughs> Mommy. <laughs> and, and so I just sat there and let Beth get up, and it was awesome. <laughs> Anyways, that's actually exactly what I did. <laughs> she came out of the room and saw me just sitting there, no, no, air, no headphones on, just letting her do, the, <laughs> do it. <laughs> Anyways, um, that's funny and true. So it takes, so my point is, is they had to go out and, and, and buy this oil, and that can really imply that the wise that already had the oil, it wasn't just zap, they had oil. They just, by chance, they were just the personality type that had oil. <laughs> they were the right Enneagram number that had oil. <laughs> no, no, they bought oil when, it was, when the Lord was giving them time to buy oil. And let me, let me encourage all of you in this room. If this is about knowing Jesus, it's about intimacy with the Lord, right now, you have time to go get some oil. This is a time in human history where you have a chance to go buy oil, no matter how much oil you think you have. If you feel like, oh my gosh, I have not taken seriously, like actually getting to know Jesus myself, I just kind of like kind of ride the, the, the wave of Christianity, or what, I don't know how to say that, I just like go to church, church things, but I don't really know him myself. Like now is a time that the Lord is giving you to go buy oil. Do it while the Lord is still giving you time. Because it appears like there is a time where we, we, we won't, we'll run out of time. <laughs> that was deep. There will be a time we run out of time. So we want to take the time to cultivate that intimacy with the Lord. It takes focus, energy, and, you know, a misunderstanding of the, of the grace of God could do a couple things to you. Okay, and you can go a couple different directions. A misunderstanding of the grace of God could mean that, um, like, I've got to earn everything, I've got to do everything, and, and if I don't do everything, then I can't have anything. Like, that would be one side that's not healthy. But the other side that's also not healthy and maybe more applicable to what I'm talking about today is just thinking that I don't have to ever do anything to position myself to know Jesus more. I don't have to, I don't have to like, repent of sin. I don't have to, like, actually get time with Jesus. No, 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 no. You're not striving for acceptance and for God to love you, but you're also not sitting idle and being lazy. You know, we, we want the grace of God 
that empowers us to say no to sin, like Titus says, and the grace of God that stirs hunger in our hearts that gives us the ability to wake up and get with him. It's all the grace of God, but we need to tap into it and ask the Lord for more. All right, here's how I want to wrap it up. I'm going to look at verse 12 again, that this idea of Jesus, of the bridegroom's response, which is representing Jesus, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Now listen, guys, I, I just want, I want you to think about this for a second. Like when you're standing before the Lord, there's a couple things you for sure don't want him to say. And this is one of them. <laughs> at least that's how I process this first. And like, there's a couple things I for sure don't want you to say, and I don't want you to look at me and say, Mitchell, I don't know you. And so you don't want that to put you in a paralyzing fear, but you want it to be the fear of God that causes you to respond like, oh, Lord, I want to know you. Here I am. You can know everything about me. Here I am. Right here, Mitchell. Know me. Here I am. Like that, there should be a healthy fear of God that gives you that type of response. Lord, know me, and I want to know you. Let's look at this word know here. In the Greek, um, and I have a slide that will break this down for you. You can go ahead and put that up, Jared. In the Greek, it's the word I, not I do, but I do, I, I do, there we go, I do, I do, everybody say I do, okay, which can mean to see or to know, and I want you to think about this in the context of this parable, it's pretty crazy, so for Jesus to say, I don't know you, means I can't really perceive who you are by any of my senses, Whew. I, I've had no experiences with you. I have not, we've not visited very much. There hasn't been a quote-unquote interview where you're asking me questions and I'm asking you questions and we're dialoguing about it. I don't understand you and there's, there's a lack of like affection and cherishing and paying attention to of one another. That's what this word means. Does that make sense? And so when I see this again, it puts in me like this, oh Lord, would you, when you look at me, when I come before you, would you know, like would you, be acquaint, like acquainted with me? Would you be able to perceive, oh, I know who that is. That's Mitchell. That's my son. Oh, yeah, we've visited before. You know, this, this prayer, this thought has been in my mind the last maybe year or so, um, and it's, it's about the Lord's return. And when he comes, for me, I don't want it to be a shaking of the hand with Jesus saying, good to meet you. I want, the, I want it to be an embrace of my friend, that I have had such history with and has carried me through every season that I know knows me in the depths of my soul as I've poured it out to him over years. And of course, I don't know if I'll be able to embrace him. I'm hopeful, <laughs> but I'll probably will fall on my face and almost die, and then he'll raise me up, and then, I'll, and then maybe he'll give me a hug. I don't know. <laughs> but I hope, you, I hope you get that. This is not a good to meet you, Jesus. Thanks for coming back. It is, it is a no, we're, we're getting to know him right now. So that when he comes, it's an embrace of our best friend. So we want to be a people that know Jesus and let ourselves be known by him. Ben, you guys can go ahead and come on, on back up. So we want to be a people that build history with the Lord, that have a journey with him, that we know the Lord's taken us on. We want to be those that open our heart to him. We want to be those that ask him to convict us of sin, and then we respond to him in repentance. We want to be those that listen to his voice 
and do things unto him out of radical obedience because we have a relationship with him that goes beyond just the surface. It's a relationship that goes beyond just what's the bare minimum I can do and still be a Christian. No, no, no. There, there, is, a, there is a knowing and a, and a relationship and an intimacy with the Lord that he invites us into that's so much deeper than that. And we want to be a people that say yes to him. So here's a couple things to kind of summarize. We want to be those that actually know Jesus, not as just, you know, a principle or as information or as, you know, philosophy to follow. We want to know Jesus as a real person. He is a real person, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And one day he will come back in human flesh, in his glorious resurrected body, and we will, we will get to know him even more and see him. And we want to spend time now on this side of eternity getting to know him. And letting him know us. And over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about what does it look like to know Jesus and let him know us. Specifically that second part, because in this parable, he says, not you don't know me. He says, I don't know you. So what does that look like? What does that mean for us to let the Lord know us? We're going to be diving into that over the next couple weeks. And you'll get to hear different people's testimony stories about how we know Jesus through his word. How do we know Jesus through responding to the conviction of, the, of his spirit in us and saying how we get to know Jesus or let him know us by just simply sitting at his feet and being those that worship him and pour out our heart to him. So we're going to be diving into that next few weeks. I love the timing of this. Yes, it's intentional, but it's just, I think it's just what the Lord's highlighted right now during this media fast. I think if you think about what do I do from today's message, I would say a couple things. One is like, even right now, we're about to worship again. Just, just say, Lord, I want to know you, and I want to be known by you. So here I am. If you've never said that to God, you've like never, like, felt like you've opened your heart to him, it's always been like, he's distant in the clouds, and I'm here way over here, then most likely what you need to do is, here I am, Lord, save me. <laughs> I, I want to give my life to you. Maybe that's a good start. But that start, it starts there. But then secondly, a great application of this is do the media fast. And not to prove anything, not to be super spiritual, but so that you have as much time as possible just to, just to be with the Lord, <laughs> to spend time getting to know him and letting him know you. And I would encourage you, if you're doing this media fast, to like make it feel different. When you fast food, your, your stomach knows. <laughs> And so I want to encourage you to do something during this fast where your mind, body, soul knows you're doing a media fast. Do something different. And again, when you're giving up that time, spend as much time as you can with the Lord in his word, in worship, in prayer. There's plenty of settings where we're going to be gathering to worship and pray. But we want to be people that know him. Amen? You want to know him? You want to be known by him? Me too. All right, let's stand to our feet. Life group leaders, you go ahead and come forward to make yourself available to pray for some folks. And there are pretty much two responses in this room. I don't know all, I don't know all of you guys, but if you're in this room and you, you know that you have never given your life to the Lord, you feel like he knows you not at all and you don't know him at all, then I want to encourage you to like, let today be the day, this morning be a morning where you're saying, Lord, I give you my life. I want to know you. I want to know you. 
You're giving your life over to the Lord. And then secondly, if you have been a Christian, been a follower of Jesus, and you're confident of your salvation and all that stuff, but if you're honest, you know that you haven't really taken seriously this pursuit of getting to know Jesus on a deeper level. And maybe you've settled for being maybe a little just like acquaintances with him, familiar with him, but not like actually getting to know him. Then I want you to, to first respond to the Lord and say, here I am, God, I want to know you. Help me get on the right path. But then also come forward and just tell some, one of these people up here and just ask them to pray for you. Because we're all on this journey together. I think all of us need to first respond with, Lord, I want to be one that knows you well and lets you know me. But I want to encourage you. Hopefully those two things made sense. You're giving your life to the Lord or you're saying, I want to take seriously getting to know him. So let me pray for us one more time. The band's going to lead us in song, and you guys can come forward and receive prayer if you want some prayer. So, Lord, here we are. Lord, we make this our prayer and our cry this morning. We want to be those that are wise. Lord, we want to take the time to store up oil, and we want to be those that know you, Jesus, and are known by you. And so, Lord, here we are. Spirit of God, just come and have your way as we respond. Touch our hearts. Thank you that so many of us are on this journey already, but Lord, we ask you to take us deeper. Take us deeper in our understanding of who you are and what it looks like to have deep fellowship, deep relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. Help our hearts respond. In Jesus' name, amen.